0: Father God, I want to thank you for being such an amazing God and giving us the opportunity to come here, to put everything aside from the week, all of the craziness, from work deadlines to projects to schoolwork, and and just be able to come here to your house of prayer. We, We have sang and we have prayed, but now that we're about to open the scriptures, we ask for the power of your Holy Spirit, that it be you speaking and not I, and that you prepare our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your message. I ask this things in your most holy and precious name. Let everyone here say, Amen. I'm not at a back, back at 100%, but I'm doing much, much better. Um, <coughs> excuse me. This week, I had uh, lots of fun. My nephew came into town. He's actually here sitting next to my wife. He's the guy that goes to my barber. And um, he, uh, uh, you know, we, we actually went to the Tallahassee Museum. We got to do a couple of the ropes courses and and, and zip lining and stuff. And I, I really, really enjoyed it. So immediately I contacted Patrick from the church and Eric and I said, Hey guys, we have to do like this stuff and we have to go out there and like play with this things. Cause it's great. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I promoted it. I let everybody know about it. And, and you know, that's something that we do when we like something. I don't know if you do cooking and stuff like that. I love like whenever on Facebook there's these recipes of things, like once upon a time there was like cauliflower buffalo wings. I mean, it can't get any more vegetarian than that and, and 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 I follow this whole thing where you do the cauliflower you 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 bake it, then you bread it and bake it again, then you do the sauce thing, and it was so good i mean it's damaged veggie food, but it was good i mean it's so I love doing that whenever you. You go to a place. Whenever you try a restaurant, like there were two places we told my, my nephew, Nico, like you, we have to go here. So we made sure yesterday we hit it for breakfast, and then we hit another place for lunch because those were the two we needed to make sure that, that he went to. You do that. You promote the restaurants. You promote the zip lining. You promote the recipes because you enjoy it you like it. If there's a product that you buy and you really like it and you enjoy it, you promote that. As well, you're saying this is a great product. You're not going to praise a product that doesn't work. You know some of that cheap stuff you buy. Like I love Dollar Tree and the Dollar Store, and there's some stuff in there you get a good deal out of it. But there's some other stuff you could tell is Dollar Store. When you try to unscrew a screw, a, a, a screw with a screwdriver from Dollar Tree, and the screwdriver bends, but the screw just stays there, you know. That maybe that's not that great, so you don't want Dollar Tree tools in your toolbox. I mean, there, there are things that you promote and things that you do not. And so today I wanted to talk to you about this concept of how good is good news. See, this is very important because I want to make sure that you understand this. My cousin, in Puerto Rico, um, she she has been in the modeling world and TV world for a while. She was Miss Puerto Rico back in 94. Um, she uh, still works at Broadway. She She's a producer for Channel 11 in Puerto Rico. She does voiceovers in Channel 4. She runs all of the school plays. They have no drama department in the schools in Puerto Rico. They come to one central location. She's the one that runs all of that. So she has like four different titles, many hats. But I remember when she was starting off, she had to do a commercial, a Burger King commercial with Ricky Martin. And one of the things is that I got to go there with her because my mom used to babysit for the producers and stuff. And I'm looking at her, and she had to like, oh, I mentioned the restaurant. Dinner. Oh, Anyways, so I forget about that. Sonia, she like took a bite out of this sandwich thing, and it was the grossest thing ever. So she's sitting there like, mmm, cut. <laughs> You know, like, like she or she is trying to sell this product that was disgusting to her, and it was hard for her. And I learned that for me, when, when, I, when I got into sales later in life, um, I found it very difficult. Did you die? Hello? No. All right. Okay. <laughs> This one, all right. Okay, so, sorry, let me bring the voice down now that I'm amplified. So what happens is this, the concept of good news. In the Bible, we have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right. And so they call it the gospel. Gospel means good news in Spanish. Buenas nuevas. I mean, it begins with buenas. I mean, it's got to be good. But the problem is that as Christians, sometimes we don't realize how good is good news. Maybe we don't understand it. And so I want to share with you today a couple of passages in scripture. And I want you to go with me. Go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter four. And we're going to hit a couple of passages in Deuteronomy. What I did, for your sakes, I kept it all close to the same book so that we can breeze through it a little bit easier. Deuteronomy chapter 4, because I want us to look at some things from the Scriptures. I believe wholeheartedly that if we believe that Christ is coming back very soon, And if we believe that this world is coming into an end, there's no reason why this church would not be overflowing. There's no reason why we wouldn't need to have like an 8 o'clock service and a 9 o'clock and a 10 o'clock and having like 10 services back to back because we just can't contain the people here. But I also do believe that many of us are probably a salesman like I am. You struggle presenting something that you yourself don't believe in. And the thing is that when it comes to the good news of God, it's easy when somebody else is going through something. Like this morning we heard about Dolores. You know, she's, she thinks that she may have, be having a stroke, so she, she went to the hospital. So we say things like, the Lord will bless you. He is with you. He can do all things, etc." But when we're going through it, and suddenly we, we, we don't believe what we're preaching. We don't believe what we're saying. We're not living what we're supposed to. Remember, the world doesn't care what the minister preaches, but what the church lives. So I want to make sure that you, my family here, understand how good is good news. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. Here's a couple of biblical facts about our God. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. When you have it, say amen. It says, but from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will not find him. What does it say? And you will find him if you seek him with all your heart. And with all your soul. We will find God if we search for him with our heart and souls. Many people out there don't know if there is a God in there. If if you search for him wholeheartedly, you will find him. Go to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Chapter 6, verse 4. A couple of chapters later. (coughs) Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 to 6. Look what it says. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strengths. Verse 6, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. So not only if we seek Him, we will find them, but we are also told to love our God with our all, completely, not part-time, not just only on weekends or holidays or special occasions, but all of the time we ought to know Him. Go about four chapters later, Deuteronomy 10, Deuteronomy 10, 12. And when you have it, say amen, Deuteronomy 10, 12. Look what it says. It says, Deuteronomy ten twelve, And know, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? What is it that He requires? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So when it comes to the things of God, One of the things that He requires of us, not only if we seek Him, we find Him and to love Him wholeheartedly. And He says to fear Him. But fear Him is not like, ooh, I'm afraid of God. But it's to respect Him and to serve Him with everything. You see, so one of the reasons why I believe that we struggle with knowing how good is good news is because we sort of come and we listen, but we're lacking the serving piece. Isn't there something in the Bible that by beholding we become changed? That there's a transformation that happens and takes place. So it talks about that. Go to next chapter, um, or actually three chapters later. Deuteronomy 13, verse 3. Deuteronomy 13, verse 3. Look what it says. Deuteronomy 13, verse 3. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or of that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you. To know whether you'd love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Go to Deuteronomy 30. Now, while you're waking your way to Deuteronomy 30, understand this. Somebody said that through trials and tribulations, character um, is mold and is shaped. But it is not like that. As we go through things, character is revealed. What was already there. You don't build character through trials. Character is already revealed. And when it comes to the things of God, it reveals whether or not you love Him wholeheartedly. Deuteronomy 30, verse 2. Deuteronomy 30, verse 2. Look what it says. And you return to the Lord your God and obey His voice according to all that I command you today. You and your children with all your heart and with all your soul. Does it sound like this is a part-time God? Every time with all your all is asking, but now it's calling us to return to him or repent. You know, in the Hebrew, the word for repent is shub. It means to to return. The word return is shub, to turn around and, and go completely. In other words, turn away from where you're headed and go right back to God. Go a couple of verses later to verse 6, Deuteronomy 30. Verse 6, and look what it says. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. So it's saying here also that God can change your heart. When he circumcises your heart, he can change your heart. And so we can seek God, we can love him, We need to repent. You see all of the things here that we're seeing in these verses. But now one of the biggest things is that he can change your heart. In Camden, New Jersey, I don't know about Camden, if you know about Camden, one of the worst cities in the U.S., but I think one of the biggest things, it's a friend of mine, Johnny, uh, and and, and you'll hear me talk about him from time to time because he was one of the greatest mysteries in, in, in my life and most amazing. This guy, he owned a mechanic shop. And he did some not quite so legal things in and out of the shop. You know, people would come in and he would buy stuff that was like stolen from people. And, and, and you know, uh, don't get me wrong, he hooked me up from time to time with some of us and said, Look, Joey, look what I got you. Yay. Then later on, I discover what it was that he had got. I mean, look, I was a kid then. But the point is, is, and, and God is still not finished with me, but I didn't, I really didn't know at the beginning. Then I kind of knew, but, uh, cause you suspect it. But here you have a guy whose wife was in the church. And for over twenty five years she prayed daily for this man and then twenty five years later, he did give his life to Christ, and he became one of like the, the deacons in the church and a leader in the church and he started heading our church, but it took twenty five years and for twenty five years, he was a pretty top dog in the city of candom, and suddenly this six foot something you know guy who eats at the restaurants that I eat kind of guy you know uh suddenly. He turned into the biggest ball of love ever. And you see him like completely transformed from this big bad guy to just a big loving teddy bear that you just love to death and a church leader and someone who loved the Lord. It is amazing to see how God can change people. How he can really transform your heart. I don't know what He has done in your life. I don't know if you experienced it. I don't know if you have a spouse that is not in the church. But I have seen how the power of prayer works. It may not always be expedient. But man, my God is an amazing God that can create change and He can transform. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. And when you have it, say amen. Proverbs chapter three verse five. It says Proverbs three five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. So not only do we recognize how God works But it says here that we need to trust in the Lord. I think one of the biggest problems is that we kind of trust in the Lord sometimes when it's convenient, when it's easy, when we can see a way out. But when we're really challenged and required to trust in Him, we lack that trust. And that's one of the problems that we struggle with. Go to Jeremiah 29, 13. Go to Jeremiah 29, 13. This is sort of a repeat of before, but I want to make sure that you understand this. Because how good really is good news? Jeremiah 29, 13. And when you have it, say amen. It says, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Remember the very first verse that we use in another section? This concept of seeking the Lord. I have to tell you, if you're going about your life, you know... Many people don't understand this, and while I explain this, work your way to Joel chapter 2, because that's a hard book. We never really ever go to Joel. So, so Joel chapter 2, work your way to Joel chapter 2, Why I share this with you. Let me tell you one of the biggest problems that we have that we go through ourselves. We have this void in our hearts. We have this thing where we try to seek happiness in other things, whether it's in a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife, a job, an education, perhaps in possessions. If I get this house, if I get this car, if I get that six pack that from back in the day in the good old days when we used to walk, you know, uphill both ways barefooted in the snow, then that void in my heart will be completely filled. But you have to understand that our void can only be filled through Christ. The source of happiness, the source of joy, it is only through Christ Jesus. Therefore, this is why I went to only two sections, even though there's plenty, where it says that if you will seek Him, you will find Him. Love Him with your all. Trust Him with your all. Follow Him with your all. Repent and turn away from everything with your all. Wholeheartedly trust in the Lord and give yourself to the Lord. I have to tell you, remember maybe a couple of months ago, I gave you the uh, analogy when I was—I um, used to teach diving back in the day, 80 pounds ago. And, you know, when you're teaching diving, you either dive or you don't. You can't change your mind halfway through the air. You can't change your mind before you're about to take off and then turn around and hit yourself on the board and, you know, kind of fall down all awkwardly. you either in or you out. And you have to do that. No relationship survives part time. Could you imagine I was a part-time husband? Could you imagine I was a part-time dad? Unfortunately, we've seen the results of that in our society. How detrimental and how hurtful it is for everybody involved. The difference is that when we do part-time love for our God, the pain and the suffering, it is only on us. Joel chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. Look what it says, Joel 2, 11 through 13. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Verse 12, now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, Thirteen, So rend your heart. You know, give up your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. He wants us to repent wholeheartedly. Now go to Zephaniah 3. Well, I'll explain a little bit on Joel 2. Zephaniah chapter 3, another little book that we rarely use. Seveniah three, but in Joel two, notice how he says, I want you to give me your heart, not just your garments. Many of us are exterior Christians, we are really good. We show up here once a week, we look apart, we dress apart, and when we go out there to the world, we are nothing like that. We are exterior outer garments. Yes, look at that, woohoo, Christian. But he wants you to really rend, give up, give him your heart wholeheartedly. If I were to ask your neighbors and your co-workers, do you know that so-and-so was a Christian, a member of my church? What do you think they'll say? Would they say, oh, absolutely, that that person, I see them and I see Christ reflected in them. Absolutely, yes. Or would it be some other forms of stories that or maybe shocked? Really? So-and-so? Christian? Nah. I mean, what would they say? I, I ain't going to do that. You know, I know better than to do that because you might ask my neighbors too. But, you know, but the idea is to understand how God wants you to surrender. Zephaniah 3, 14. Another key about this good news. Zephaniah 3, verse 14. When you have it, say amen. And it says, sing. What does it say? Sing, oh, daughter of Zion. What is the next word? Shout, O Israel, be what glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem, We are to shout for joy to the Lord, and we are to rejoice with all our hearts. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago when we sing our songs, remember that I've been redeemed, and you know I got the joy joy, joy. yeah, really, you have joy, you have been redeemed. Where is that? Rejoice and sing, you know. Work your way to Ephesians chapter 2. And while you're working your way to Ephesians chapter 2, let me tell you something about my old Volkswagen Fox. She was a beauty. 1988 Volkswagen Fox, two-door station wagon. You know, struts were cut. Low rider. Yes, I'm Hispanic. I get it. It's typical. You know, I didn't put any hydraulics on it because I was broke. Otherwise, I would have. But anyhow, my Volkswagen Fox had this thing. That you will fill it up and you drive up the gas station and immediately it will show like you only have a, like three quarters of a tank. Like how did I lose a quarter of a tank suddenly when I just drove up the gas station and I filled it up? The point is, is that if the light would turn on when it gets down to the bottom, but I knew how far I could get and push that light before I really needed gas. I used to go places in my Fox even with the light, people will get in the car, your light is and It's all good. It is all good. But there was a day really far away. If you know anything about Christian Adventists, we put all of our schools in the middle of nowhere. Like we were so blessed to have the school right here. But all of our boarding schools is like in the middle of the woods where like if something will happen, you will cry and scream and no one will find you for years. That's the kind of place that we will go to. So Tranquility, New Jersey. There's nothing tranquil about New Jersey, but Tranquility, New Jersey is quiet and dead and empty. And so my fox decided to die right as we were going on top of the mountain. And it's a stick shift, so I had a choice. So I kind of try to push it up or push it down, which way to go. But man, once the hill was over, it would not go anywhere. My car, I learned a serious lesson then. It would not go anywhere without gas. I didn't, it didn't hit me until then that it really just wouldn't go. Because even when the battery would die, you know, you kind of push started, put in a second gear, pass the, pop, pop the clutch, and you could still go room, room, right? But without gas, it would just not go anywhere in, without, without a tank. I mean, without a tank full of gas. And that is the same thing that happens with us. The same thing is true of our spiritual life. Spiritual speaking as questions, we won't go anywhere if our spiritual tank is empty. We cannot give anybody a ride or make it to any destination, we know especially when it comes to engaging in Christ-like service. We can't give that which we do not have. You can't progress if it's not in you. We cannot be a blessing to others when our spiritual gas tank runs on empty. And that's the biggest issue that we have. The most important fuel we need in order to fulfill God's purpose is the assurance of salvation. The assurance that we are saved. The knowledge that we have the gift of eternal life right here, right now. Without that, the good news of the gospel isn't good news for us. The assurance of salvation is probably the biggest key that you need to have. You know, I have people come knocking on my door and say, have you been saved? Yes, I have. Yes, I am saved. The question is, do you believe that you are safe? Do you have that, that assurance? Do you understand how important that assurance is? Do you understand how bad it is if you don't believe that? My children, I pray that they never question my love for them, that they never question how much I care about them. Could you imagine if every day they were asking me, Daddy, am I, uh, do you love me? Daddy, My love today. Oops. I spilled the milk. Do you not love me anymore? I mean, could you imagine how that would be if they would doubt me every step of the way? Do you know how that feels for me as a father? Like, no, baby, don't, don't doubt my love for you. What about for our God who's loved you so much, who sent his son to die for you and me? And we question whether or not we have the assurance of salvation. Galatians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. Ephesians, sorry, Ephesians 2, I sang you there, right? Ephesians 2, verses 2, chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. Let me try that one more time. Ephesians, that's the book. The chapter is 2. The verses are 8 through 9. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Here's what it says. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Is there anything that you can do to be safe? It is what? From God. It is a gift, and by grace you have been saved. Go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 is towards the back, close to Revelation and Jude and the Peters back there. Okay? 1 John chapter 5. We're going to begin on verse 11. And when you have it, say amen. Look what the word of the Lord says. Verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us what? Eternal life. He gave it to us. And this life is in his son. Verse 12. He who has the son has what? Life. And he who does not have the son of God does not have life. Verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Work your way to Galatians 5, last verse for today. And let me share some, something with you. How many of you know that you have eternal life? I know we say it, but do you really know I know we tell people all of the time that I have been saved by grace through faith and for God so loved the world. And we quote all of those things. But do you really know that you have eternal life? These things have been written. If you have the Son, you have life. Because there's no other name under heaven and earth to which we are saved than the name of Jesus. And if you love Christ in your life, if you accept Him as your Savior, if you have decided to turn away from the world and say, Yes, Lord, I am here. Come into my life. Create in me a new creation. Yes, Lord, I am here. I want not my ways, but your ways. Yes, Lord, I know you're not finished with me. I'm dedicating with in, into your hands because you are the beginner the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. Yes, God, you could create change in me. If you have him, you can have the assurance that you have eternal life. Now, understand that this is not for you to say, well, not because I'm saved, I could live la vida loca and do whatever I want. It's not how it works. But the idea is that if you love him and you allow him, you have life. Now, there are three main things that destroy the good news for us. First good news destroyer is that we are relying on feelings. We rely on our feelings. And you know, I don't feel safe. I don't feel like I have salvation. I don't feel like whatever. You can't rely on your feelings. Feelings can change in a heartbeat. Um, a friend of mine was preaching the other day and I was listening to his message because, you know, I, I gotta get fed too, right? And he was telling the story about his wife when he was first newly, newlywed. And, um, his wife, you know, he was hungry. They, they were they were freshly married. She was like, "Honey, you know, it's like 11 o'clock at night. It's like, honey, uh, uh, what would you like to?" eat? He's like, "This is great. So I would like some 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 plantains." and some beans, you know. Hook a brother up. So she went into the kitchen. Everything smells so good. He's there anxiously smelling everything. He is excited. He is passionate. He's super happy to, ju- to just get his taste on, you know, and just, just eat this thing. And, and so he goes in there, and, and as soon as the food is ready, he's all excited. He wants it. He crazy. She's the best wife in the whole wide world to just get up and cook for him so late at night. And he's like, yes! Because he was single before. You know, it was like Go to bed hungry or microwave something, you know what I mean, and, and call it a day. And then he takes a spoonful of those beans. And he discovers that there are two ways of making beans. One where you do beans and a little bit of salt, and another when you do salt and a little bit of beans. And at that moment, all his feelings, all his emotions, all his desire, the best wife in the whole wide world, and that amazing, scrumptious food, as soon as he ate it, all of the feelings and emotions changed in a heartbeat. It was all out the window. Now, did she still stop being an amazing wife just because she got the ingredients backwards? No. No. But his feelings change immediately. You cannot rely on feelings. You see, the devil constantly accuses you. You're guilty. You're worthless. You are nothing without God. And in in some ways, he is right. We are nothing without God. But with God, oh my, oh my. With God by our sides, we are amazing. So number one, we rely on feelings. Number two, we focus on ourselves too much. You ever try to balance a broomstick? You know, back in the day before Game Boys and everything else, you hold a broomstick like this and you look up in the air and you do very well. But the minute that you look at your hand, what happens to that broomstick? It falls down. When you focus on God and not on you, on his life and not your death, on his perfection and not your sins, and you take it all to him, that makes a difference. But when you focus inward, it will destroy the good news for you. And then the third one, the number three, lastly, is yo-yo Christianity. You know what yo-yo Christianity is? So my wife and I, not for real, I actually have never slept in a couch. Part of this is probably in her couch forever. But anyways, uh, we got couches now, they're comfortable. So maybe we should pick a fight. But anyways, but my wife and I, sorry, um, but my wife and I, let's pretend, let's pretend that, that we get into an argument, we get into a fight, and, and I do go sleep in the couch. So does that mean that we're no longer married? No, we. We. we I, I've shared this analogy before with you some months back, because that's what we do with God. Now imagine that we make up and then I pick another fight again. Doesn't mean we're no longer married. There's just an issue there. When it comes to God, sometimes we think that when we sin, okay, I, I am lost now. No, now I'm safe. No, now I'm lost. No, now I'm safe. And you had that yo-yo Christianity, and that is the third thing that destroys. The good news for us. Let's go to the last verse for tonight. Uh, for today. Uh, sorry, I'm used to preaching at nighttime now. Uh, Galatians 5.13. By the way, tonight, Revelation series 6.30. Galatians 5.13. Look what it says here. Galatians 5.13. For you, brethren, have been called to what? Liberty. Only... Do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. You have been called to liberty. You have the assurance of salvation. If you believe that, there should be absolutely nothing keeping you from sharing that with others, from recommending that fine dining restaurant of Jesus, for recommending that awesome gadget of Jesus, that, you know, rope scores and whatever it may be of Jesus. There should be nothing keeping you from doing that. And so it is my prayer that you don't take my words for it, but that you take the word of God through the scriptures for it, that you are saved and salvation is available to you. Let us go ahead and pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, you know, sometimes we cannot accept this whole thing of of good news because we ourselves have a tough time believing it. We doubt whether or not we have the assurance of salvation. We doubt whether or not it is really a gift and we have to do all these things to earn it. But it is a gift. All we have to do is accept you and let you in our hearts and you take care of the rest. I pray, Lord, that my brothers and sisters here could recognize that the good news are really good news and that we're able to share that with the rest of the world, that we can serve one another in love. This is my prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let everyone here say, Amen.